Welcome to Tag Talks Happy Hour with Ajit Kara. One part small talk, all parts real talk. This is the part of the day when Ajit gets to know the people behind the job titles at Tag. Hello, my name is Ajit Kara and I'm the CEO of Tag Americas. I believe that every company's biggest asset are its people. And I'm very fortunate to work at Tag where I think we have amazing people. So I decided to do a podcast to really understand what makes them tick and who are the people behind the curtain, so to speak. As always, this podcast is produced by Kaylee Stansfield. Hey, Kaylee, how are you? I'm well, Ajit. Oops, sorry. I'm well, Ajit. You know, a producer should know to turn on their <laughs> microphone. There you go. I never said that you were a good producer. <laughs> no, you didn't, and probably just as well. <laughs> You're an excellent producer. You really are. Uh, you make these podcasts look fabulous, by the way. You really do. Well, look, listen, whichever way it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We might edit that bit yeah, out. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> A very big welcome to my special guest today. She is Katrina She. Katrina, welcome to my podcast. Thank just you. Cheers here. Now, the unusual thing here is that you have bought my... You know, normally, I provide great wine, but you've been very proactive and bought this cider. Do you want to explain a bit more about this cider? Yeah, sure. So I have brought you a Bold Rock. They come in a couple different flavors. This is my personal favorite one. It's an IPA, but actually stands for India Pressed Apple. So I was actually listening to the rest of these podcasts earlier, and Liz Lowenstein talks about how she's from Charlottesville. So I actually went to school in Charlottesville. I just left there two years ago. And Bold Rock is one of the local cideries. It's only about 30 minutes away um, from where the school is situated. So every Everyone down there drinks this, and this is something that's very near and dear to my heart. Well, cheers, and it is beautiful, and I appreciate the coldness of it. We've been yeah, so hot today. yeah, so you're actually, very welcome. It's very nice. So thank you for being there, and very generous of you as well. So I didn't get to open one of my wines today, but that's lovely. So Katrina, thank you so much for coming in to do this today. So tell me a bit more about where were you from and where were you brought up? Yeah, so I have sort of an interesting background. So I'm from Wichita, Kansas originally. I was born there, lived there until I was 10. Both of my parents went to school there and that's how they met. But in 2008, my family decided to move to Shanghai. So previous to that, my father had been traveling a lot back and forth between China for like a month and a half at a time, setting up different things for his company. And eventually we decided to make the move over. What was supposed to be a three-year assignment turned into eight years for myself, and my parents are actually still over there, so they've been there for 14 years at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been, it's, our family loves it. It's been really, I think it was a great place for me to grow up, and it's so different from Kansas, and being able to have, like, the childhood where you get to run around in grass and do all of those like outdoor activities, but then moving to Shanghai kind of in my older adolescent years was really eye-opening. I think I got a lot of different opportunities there that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Because it's interesting because most people come to America from somewhere else. Correct, And yes. you, you do it the other way around. Yes, exactly. And, you know, that must be a massive shift because, I mean, Wichita, you know, is beautiful in terms of scenery greenery and as you say running around compared to shanghai that's that's, that's night and day that is really nice and days yes. how did you find the transition around appreciate your family were there and are you originally from is your parents originally from china no so my mom is actually from taiwan and my dad is from hong kong they went on kind of different journeys before they met in kansas but moving to china like the mainland itself it was a new experience for all of us luckily i think the transition went really smoothly uh, there's a 
big international community in Shanghai, lots of international schools for all kinds of curriculums, British, American, French, German, and Japanese as well. But we went to an American school, so all of our friends were kind of in similar positions where their families had moved overseas for the same reasons. And in that way, it was easier to adjust because a lot of like the curriculum and the things that you would talk about, pop culture, music, et cetera, were all in the same vein. It was interesting, I will say. So when I went, I was in fifth grade. So a long, long time ago. Yeah. But I was also the only new kid in my class, which was strange because generally there's like five or six classes across the grade. And generally you'll have at least four or five people that are new every single year just because of how frequently people come and go. Exactly. But I was the only one my year. And I remember that being just a very different experience. Losing friends or making new friends. And yeah. But how did you find because the reason I asked about your parents is that so clearly Mandarin wasn't a language that you had at home. So was there, you know, appreciate it's an international school. I guess it was English. What about when you're out and about? Did you learn Mandarin there or did you? So actually, my mom taught us Mandarin growing up. So I spoke Mandarin before I spoke English. That's yes. Um, so she stayed at home with me when I was a kid. So I actually didn't learn English until I went to kindergarten. And I remember my first day was right after Christmas break. And we had gone to Vancouver to see my dad's parents. And in Chinese, the word for Vancouver is Wingohua. And I thought, you know, English was just Chinese words with a different accent on it. <laughs> so before the first day, that's we were how I speak exactly. languages. I'm fluent in 74 languages. <laughs> we were supposed to share where we had been, and I didn't know how to say it. So I went up in front of my class, and I remember very clearly saying where I had gone, but just with the accent yeah. that I thought made it English. Well, and, it and, sh- and shout it as well. That helps right, as well. Right, exactly. Yeah. If you slow it down and say it loud enough, everyone will understand. <laughs> Do you know many languages? or I only speak Mandarin. I can read and write a little bit. So my mom taught us like verbal communication. So we can, we're fluent in verbal communication, but reading and writing wasn't something that we started picking up until we moved over to Shanghai. So at that point, I was 10, I think, when I started learning. So I will say my writing and reading tends to be a little bit on the weaker side. But because my dad is from Hong Kong, he speaks Cantonese, which is slightly different than Mandarin. It's just another variation. But I can understand Cantonese, but I can only speak a little bit of it. Yeah. But moving seems to be your theme. I mean, how many times have you moved in the last few years? Too many. I have moved, I believe, 10 or 11 times in the last five years. Yes. That's crazy. This year, I will say I moved twice this year, and this year was not planned at all by any means. How come? Um, So I actually, so I live in Union City now. I moved to Union City June of 2020. So that was like my latest planned move, and it was supposed to be the last one for a good while. But in March of this year, my landlord decided to sell our building, and I was able to put in an offer for my apartment, and I was accepted and purchased Yay. it. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. A house, Thank a house person. Yes, yes. Right before we closed, we were about three weeks away from closing when my neighbor's house caught on fire. Oh, goodness. And so we have been renovating for the last two months. So we did two moves in two months, moved out into a storage unit like floated around on a couple couches and then moved back in just last weekend. Do you find there's an emotional attachment? So when we moved from the UK to the Mm -hmm. US and 
we packed a shipping container which took you know six seven weeks to get here and so by the time we moved out and it moved into another house here you know i felt an emotional attachment when i saw my bedside dresser or you know furniture that you'd had for some time i felt some sort of emotional connection almost brought me to tears when i saw my furniture again and thought settled there's yes. that you know, analogy that your house or your home is your kingdom and i can sort of relate to that did yeah. you have any reaction to seeing your furniture again and oh i was so relieved <laughs> i was so relieved so first of all we got really lucky because for some reason my roommate and I had both forgotten to purchase tenants insurance when we moved in and we were so lucky in that all the fire damage we suffered was just structural none of our stuff actually was touched but had it been it would have been way worse but yes seeing everything finally back in place was just such a huge sigh of relief it feels like we'd been on a non-stop roller coaster since March so finally getting it all closed up like 4th of July weekend was so nice yeah, yes. yeah so congrats and then so in terms of traveling what was saying from your childhood what was very memorable then how did you saying that you felt was quite connected So I guess just to dial it back real quick. So after I left Shanghai, I moved to Virginia for four years where I did my education. And then in between, I lived briefly in Prague and Chicago working before I moved to Princeton for a year and then now finally in Union City. And I think one of the things that I retain from having gone so many places and kind of picking up my life so constantly and moving so much is that it's this idea that anything that's meant to stay with you is going to stay with you. You're not going to lose anything that's meant for you. And I think that comes with people, that comes with experiences, that comes with things. But going back to travel, I think one of the things that has been so enriching in my life because I move around so frequently and don't have constants is that traveling has been a nice constant in that you're always able to explore something new sure. and bring something new into the fold. One of my favorite memories was when I went to Bali with my family, we went to this monkey forest in Ubud, which is like a more foresty part of the Balinese islands. It's not necessarily where the beaches are, but this was probably back in 2010. So this place has changed a lot since then. We went back in 2018 and it was very, very different. But previously this forest was kind of, you know, not a tourist attraction. It wasn't very well guarded. So you could buy bunches of bananas from the side of the street and bring it into the temple to feed the monkeys that ran around there. And I remember going with my dad and my brother. My mom had stayed home because she was afraid of animals in general. So like really just was not her thing. But we purchased a bunch of bananas at the door brought them in, but there were so many monkeys and all of them wanted a piece. And my brother was really young at the time. So my father was like watching him and I was holding the bananas, giving them out to the monkeys one by one. And we had given this one particular monkey his banana already, but he clearly wanted more. So instead of waiting or instead of just, you know, eating the one that he had, he decided to climb up my arm and sit on my head. Um, So again, as like a 12 year old in this situation, I was very freaked out um, to have this wild monkey on my head. My dad's like scrambling, trying to like hold on to my baby brother and also trying to like get this monkey off of me at the same time. But my favorite part about the story is when we went back to see my mom afterwards and told her the story, her immediate reaction was like, well, did you take a photo? (laughs) My dad just goes, how was I supposed to take the picture? Exactly. (laughs) But I will say if there's one travel moment that I wish I had on camera, it would definitely be that one. And linking to camera, because I understand that's one of your passions. Uh You know, was that the start of your passion for getting a camera? Because you missed a camera moment. Talk Talk to me about your very impressive camera. Yeah, actually. So I didn't start with photography probably until I was like 18. That's oh, college or? my senior year of high school, actually. Oh, okay. I did yearbook all throughout high school and was very interested in the graphic 
part of it, but had never looked into photography. And then once I kind of got my first camera, I believe it was a birthday present that year, it opened me up to kind of a whole new world. But the special camera you're talking about is actually really close to my heart. So it's a Flexoret, which is, I should have brought it today, but I didn't. (laughs) You could take the picture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So it's a film camera. It's a Czechoslovakian film camera from, these were created between, I believe, the 1930s and the 1970s. And they're not spy movies, aren't they? Yes, yes, they are. They're like a dual lens camera. It's a box. So when you open it, the lens comes up on the top and you stare into the box and use the dual lens to shoot that way. So you're not actually holding anything up to your face. But generally, when people see you use them, they kind of question what you're doing because it doesn't look like the standard camera. You're kind of just looking straight down. It's just like a spy thing. Yes, (laughs) yes. But I love this camera because, as I mentioned earlier, I did live in Prague for a little bit. And while I was there... This camera was very much touted as a national treasure, something that the Czechs were very, very proud of. There's only a few things that they make, shoes, cameras, you know. So the few things that they do make, they are very, like, proud of. But one of the things that I love about this camera is the lens quality because it's made by an optical lens company. The lenses on this camera are much clearer than what you would get in sort of a different box-type camera from the same time period. But I think it's, I don't shoot with it very often just because the film is hard for me to develop. I've been dabbling and developing my own, and it's not as simple as when you take it to get done somewhere else, but. Well, passion. It's yes. interesting. You know, there's something about, there's something incredibly romantic about that kind of technology because we take for granted our phones today. Mm-hmm. The quality of the pictures and the videos is astonishing. It's yes. astonishing. It wasn't like that for, you know, it hasn't been like that for that long a period. So it's, it's lovely to see, actually. You should bring it in. I'd love to see some yes, pictures from it. I as definitely well. will. And then back to some of the other interests then. You have a lot of interest. And uh, for someone so young, you actually like football as well, the I British do. version of football. I do. Yes, very Not much. Not soccer so. for everyone else's. <laughs> Correct. Where did, that, where did that come from? I'm a huge Arsenal fan. Are you? Yes. Yeah. So who's your club? <laughs> well, I didn't really have one when I was in the UK, but I, I guess it would probably have to be Chelsea because they, well, they, their training ground was where we used to live in Cobham in Surrey, so their training ground was around the corner. So I feel obliged to support the uh, yeah, that's the fair. team that I was local to. That's fair. But, you know, I'm not saying I... Yeah, Chelsea's a top sell for me. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up watching a, a lot of football with my dad and my grandfather. So my dad grew up in Hong Kong. I was going to say, so that's yes. probably yeah, big there because exactly. of the British influence. Yeah. Exactly, correct. So my grandfather was a Manchester United fan and my dad was a Liverpool fan. And I remember as a little girl wanting to have a different team to root for because they were both rooting for different teams, but I wanted to still somehow be similar to them. So I look, I remember looking at all the teams and saying, you know, which one, which one looks like them, but is different. So Arsenal obviously also has the red jersey. So I was like, that team, <laughs> that's the one. And they were really, really good in the early 2000s, which made, you know, supporting them much, much easier for me as a young child. I had that captain who was a great character. I've forgotten his name now. Terry but, Henry. Uh, that's right. Yeah, yes. yeah. He, he was amazing. Have you actually seen them live? Have you been to a game? I have not been to a game live. The last time I was in London, unfortunately, they were playing Leicester City. So they were away. So I caught a rugby game instead. But a huge dream of mine to go see them for sure. Well, they used to tour, didn't they? They used to come. They do. They still do, actually. But I think for myself, if I was going to go see them, I'd rather see them in the UK as opposed to here. Because generally when they come here, I feel that they don't always bring all of their first team players, especially those that are away on international duty. So it's not as exciting as seeing, I think, the whole team in their stadium. League stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. They put their heart where the money is, the the league stuff. It gets very, very serious. 
And then you're also into my passion, which is cars as well. I like F1. I wouldn't say that I know too much about the actual car, but I do love me some racing. And who is your favorite kind of person on the F1 scene? Oh, that's so hard. My favorite driver is Perez. I think he is just excellent. When you look at his story and his grit and his drive, I think he's astounding for Red Bull, what he's been able to pull off within the last couple of seasons. My favorite is how well he does with saving his tires. It's just so impressive to me every single time he races. I think people sort of sometimes understand that they think he's whizzing around the circuit, but mm -hmm. it's the strategy. Exactly. And the technical strategy and the you know, the physical Jewish that they have to, the Jewish rather that they have to go through is astonishing. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I remember there was one race where he competed in where he wasn't able to have water for the entire duration of his race and thinking about, you know, sitting in a car for two hours and going yeah. two hundred miles an hour at that heat and not having water is a crazy feat. That's it really yeah. is. I've seen um I met some of them close up at a function once and you sort of you don't see it on TV, but when you see them flesh, you sort of see their their neck muscles, because they have to practice and strengthen their they neck. They do the thing with the head yeah. band, and you see them exercising. It's astonishing their kind of neck muscles because of the strain that it puts onto the body. You know, really, it's a, it's a real endurance sport. I've raced a couple of times, nowhere near, on Formula Three type cars, and I was really bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always go kart racing. There's always so. <laughs> go kart racing. Well, I was not very good, and I blamed the weight ratio. Uh. I was a bit too heavy, and uh, so that's that's my reason of why I think I came in last. But so my dreams of being a professional racing car driver were killed early on. It's sad. And then, so tell me, what else interests you? Anything that uh, is exciting in your pretty young to tag? And what do you do that inspires you to do the sort of creative work that you do? You're a great project manager for us, and you work with some great brands. Thank you. What, what makes you excited around the things that you do? I always knew that a creative element was really important to me in my work. I think while I was in school... I ventured a little bit away from this, trying to explore different facets. So there's a couple of different things in my life that I've always kind of known that I wanted to do. The first is that I love to work with children. Obviously, I don't work with children here. <laughs> well, I would argue maybe. You'd... Well, perhaps, but not real children. Um, well, again, I would maybe argue, <laughs> but you do. Just do it. So. But uh, so when I was in school, I actually taught daycare for four years. And when I finished, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to get into. I had always liked the idea of marketing. I love the creative elements behind marketing, but I think I graduated at a time where the world was very confusing. And there was part of me that almost wondered, you know, like, I feel like I have something more to contribute than just helping people buy stuff or helping people sell things. So I wasn't really sure, you know, where my direction in life was going to lead. I had double majored in politics with a concentration oh. in American government and media studies. So again, pretty different from what I'm doing now. So when I finished school, I decided actually to nanny full-time for a year. So I spent my first year out of school watching two six-year-olds for, <laughs> for a year. So that was very challenging in a very, very different way, but I also think brought me a lot of clarity in terms of wanting to get back into the creative space and wanting to get back into the office space because I knew that it just wasn't like teaching and working with children long term. It's tough. I mean, it's, uh, you know, and the demands on to the amazing curriculum and I respect and it's actually really important because folks that do that do a kind of unthanked task. Yeah, they definitely. Are grooming and essentially 
shaping the future generations. Yeah. And it's very informative for children to be exposed to the right people at that age. Yeah. It's a career that I think is should be recognized a bit higher. Yeah, and unfortunately it isn't. And unfortunately, I think a lot of, you know, preschool and early elementary teachers are kind of taken for granted. And people don't really understand the ramifications of what a good early education teacher and a not so good one, like how big it's of huge. a difference it's does that huge. make in the rest of your I life? Think, I think all of us can relate back to our own schooling and think you know there was that teacher that inspired me and there was that teacher that turned me off and they're both equally qualified but how do you inspire a young child it's very easy to do if you're that way inclined and I don't think we sort of encourage that sort of behavior my father very interesting perspective that he didn't believe in homework and believed that you know we should be children for as long as we possibly can that's amazing and learn the principles of you know, playing and interacting and not putting too much academic pressure from an early age, which I think actually the more I think about it, he's right. You know, you want people to work out how to play with other children and how to, you know, enjoy certain sports. And, you know, that takes time. You don't want to be studying all the time. Right. And I think also EQ is such an important aspect. Once you get older, once you get into the workplace, knowing how to interact with people is such an important element. And if you're continuously only focusing on the IQ element of that, you're not developing all of these other skills that people require just to simply yeah, collaborate get, get connect them. and I think that's spot on and I think I am seeing the workplace much more focused in these sort of areas now around that connection around emotional connection is, is really really important you mentioned the political career piece I'm glad I bet you're glad you didn't <laughs> stick you know going down that particular path well when I decided to major in American government I always knew that I was never set out for a career in politics that was never my intent but I loved it as a supportive backbone for everything else that I did because politics informs absolutely everything that we do and without a good understanding of it I didn't feel comfortable well let's put it this way having that backbone makes me feel more comfortable with everything else because now I understand how things ebb and flow together with my conjunction of politics and media studies I primarily looked at the convergence of those two points so specifically news media and how government essentially talks to the common people and how that relationship changes based off of the way that media delivers information that really is a long off the podcast air beer conversation yes. and how, <laughs> yes, how media does influence a huge amount of what we have as a running government or a local state and i think it's probably not a healthy balance right now that you know really good functioning government to help and the media need to be supportive of that at the moment it feels very people only fixate on the angry stuff and the things that go badly and there's a lot of good things that go on and we should encourage that and do more of it and we need great people in local and federal government yeah i agree and actually i will say so both of my projects for my capstones were very heavily focused in racial relations and diversity and inclusion within media mm -hmm. and politics and that's part of why i decided to apply to tag as a company so i've been here since the middle of December 2021. So not oh, that wow. long, just a little bit under eight a, months. A I COVID believe. baby, as yes, I say. Yes. But part of the reason why I was so drawn to this company was because of like the My intense passion. focus that you have brought to diversity and inclusion and, and focusing on the people that work here. And that was something that was super attractive to me and really like it just checked all my boxes. I was looking to move back into creation and it just worked. If there's ever an indicator of it works and having you in the business proves it, it's such an important point for me because I think we are richer as a company and we serve our clients much better. If we do have people that, you know, continue to drive and embrace these kind of values, that I think are important, really are. And, uh, you know, you ooze that. So thank you yeah, for that. Thank you. Ask, edit, anything. <laughs>
from my perspective, this is an opportunity for you to ask me any questions that you may have. Oh, yes. I have two of them. Oh, my goodness. So, a double, a double one. <laughs> yes. So, one, I love to read. In my free time, I volunteer at a community bookstore in Hoboken, oh. and just reading is a huge passion of mine. I think you learn so much through it. So, if there's one book that you would recommend to everyone to read, what would it be and why? That's a very interesting it's a one. It's a tough one. <laughs> It assumes I read. It does, it does. <laughs> Which, thankfully, I do. I love books. I'm going to go with a two-response, actually. And they're both, you know, I tend to read silly books now. Like most of the books I read now are about assassins and serial killers and murder mystery and, you know, you know completely stupid books that don't help me. But when I was younger, I think there's two books that really inspired me to continue reading. And in many ways, I think that better, probably going to get told off this, probably better than their films because they're both films. The first one, my sister encouraged me to read that got me reading it was there's the equivalent in those days of the harry potter or be completely different it was the original star wars book and it's a big book and you you know you get engrossed in you gotta remember this is a long time ago and it gets you engrossed in the complexities of you know traveling in space and the you know the combat and all the characters and it was just it was it was engrossing and it got me reading which is fantastic and i love that book the second one, when I was older, it's not for everyone, but it's actually before the film, and it's uh, Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lambs. The actual book, Silence of the Lambs, in my view, and the film was amazing, is better, and it goes into so much more detail around the different characters, and, you know, it was enthralling. So those are my sort of two books. Rather sadly, I should have said something about, uh, you know, some sort of wonderful person that's written a book about themselves and their lives, but it's not, I'm afraid. <laughs> I should I should add both of those to my reading list. I haven't read either of those. So. Well, like I said, you've probably seen the film, but sometimes the books are, you know, better than the films. I mean, I think the Harry Potter series is probably the exception because yeah. they're both brilliant. The books yeah. are brilliant and the films are brilliant. I've seen the first Star Wars film, but I haven't seen Silence of the Lambs. So the caveat to me is that I've read a lot, but I'm not good with movies. Like any movie that's like a popular title, Forrest Gump, Shawshank Redemption, all of these have not seen. But you read the books. Most of them, correct. <laughs> yes, most of them. I think that's probably better because in, like I said, nine times out of 10, the books are better mm -hmm. because I think it's, you're imagining the characters, you're imagining the scene. And it, that's what I love about reading is that you kind of get engrossed in the books. I think when, when I got my Kindle, my wife was very happy because when we used to go on a holiday, you know, I'd take several books exactly and they're quite heavy. So the Kindle has saved my kind of you know, luggage yeah. space. Unfortunately, I have not. I tried the Kindle and it wasn't for me. So I'm back to the three, four books in the suitcase. <laughs> there is something special about it. There are. You can't replace page turning and the smell of the book and the way it feels in your hand. It's just not the same. I made an awful mistake that when we were back to shipping from the UK, I kept every book I read and we were shipping everything to the US. And I, I then chose to ship all the books and to save space, I then put all the children's toys and I gave them to a local school. So my children now say, but we want to see our old toys again. And the books, when I got here, I thought, this is silly. And then I gave them to a local you know, charity. So I, I just completely wasted you know, time and space. Whereas, so now it's no toys and no, no books. No toys and no books. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so I should have kept the toys because there, there needs to be a connection there. But I, I was just tidying everything up. So Moving is a good time to purge. It really, sure. it really is. It is. It really, but maybe not 10, 11 times like you did. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm done for a while, for sure. I would like to not move again for at least five, six years and I've tapped out. And your house is all done. Exactly. So no need to even think about it. <laughs>
And your second question? Yes, my second question is, what is your favorite way to spend a day off? That's interesting. It, it will probably combine some of the things I've spoken about before and a bit today. Is I like to read. So when I don't have the pressures of, you know, thinking about work and it's a proper day off and somewhere just reading a book, that's like imitating when you're going away on holiday. So I like to spend a few hours reading a book. And then I think potting around in my vegetable patch, especially like this time of the year when things seem to grow overnight. And it's actually very childish, but very rewarding when you go and see something that's growing. And there's something very special about it. You know, when you see a tomato developing or you see the cucumber growing each day or the peppers. And, and I, so I actually rather sadly wander around just looking at them. So that's you know, pathetic from my behalf. But uh, the small things make me happy. Yeah, that's awesome. I grow herbs as well. Oh, so I have some sprouting right now, actually. So I've been checking the pot every single morning to see how much extra they've grown. It's, it's astonishing when you see how quickly, you know, Mother Nature and how things grow. It's astonishing. It's, it's very rewarding. Yeah, it is. Well, I would love to leave you with a book recommendation since oh, okay. you gave me two. Yes. My favorite series, it's a trilogy. It's called The Century Trilogy by Ken Follett. It's three books, Fall of Giants, Winter of the World, and Edge of Eternity. It's very similar to Game of Thrones in that they layer five different families across different socioeconomic levels intertwined into this one tale. But each of the books covers a different time period. First book is World War I, the second is World War II, and then the third follows the Cold War, fall of the Berlin Wall, et cetera, into the 1960s. And Very clever. Um, yes. It's, so, like, it's like Blackadder, the different Kind of, different yes. Periods. But it follows the same five families, three generations of the same family as they go through these different historical time periods. So all of the settings are accurate but the stories are fictional Interesting. but absolutely insane read i love it so much i look for thank you for that i want to thank you for the cider which has been delicious i hope the people listening haven't kept hurt me slurping it down but it's been going down very well i want to thank you for your book suggestions but more importantly I want to thank you. When I spend time with people like yourself who are the newer folks joining the business, clearly younger folks that are growing within the organisation, you bring such a level of vibrancy, new thinking, creativity, you know, and passion. And I love the focus that you have and I know that you support our company on the DEI activities. It's a joy to see people like you developing within the company. So thank you so much for being part thank of this you. and uh, cheers. Cheers. Good health. Thank you. Join us soon for another episode of Tech Talks Happy Hour with Ajit Kara and learn more about the people behind the job titles at Tech.